2: You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Locked On Thunder podcast for May 21st. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. My voice may not be as deep as Elizabeth Holmes, but hopefully you find me a little bit more entertaining to listen to. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Thunder, We are going to revisit some of Sam Presti's words from his exit interview, and I think they're very important when it concerns Paul George and free agency, and I'll give you the numbers. What is the Thunder's wiggle room? How much will it cost them to bring Paul George back? And in the long run, if they do, is it worth it? That's the question Sam Presti and Clay Bennett are asking themselves right now. If you bring everyone back after watching Golden State last night, how convinced are they that Oklahoma City could compete with GSW in a seven-game series. Speaking of Golden State, in segment number two, we will talk about the Houston Rockets. How panicked should they be? How worried should the Boston Celtics fans be? They're having a lot of fun on Houston radio today. I must say, I don't get that panicked when my team loses a game in a seven-game series, but you lose by... 40 plus points and now all of a sudden everybody's going into panic mode. But should they be? Should they be in panic mode down in H-Town? And in segment number three, very excited about this. We'll get to hear some of Trey Young's interview scrum or media scrum from the Combine. He'll talk about the magic in the Knicks. That's part one. And we will have part two tomorrow. And I will post that entire scrum at LockedOnThunder.com around 5 o'clock this afternoon. So be looking for that in your Twitter feed. And speaking of Twitter, follow me at G-E-E-H-S-O. My name's Eric G. I'm a credentialed member of the media. I've been working for Locked On, the Locked On Podcast Network, for a few months. I also work for another publication called Thunder Digest. Thanks to Chuck Cheney. Uh, Chuck, we need to get the G League started. At some point this week, you and I need to sit down and do a podcast and give these people what they want because there is demand for it. Okay, maybe there's not demand, but I hope you like listening to it. Um, Did radio here for a while at Oklahoma City. Hosted a lot of pre and post games. So that's me. And if you like what you hear, go to lockdownthunder.com. All our podcasts are archived. And we have video and audio from players and coaches. Okay, segment number one. You're wondering what it's going to cost the Oklahoma City Thunder to bring back Paul George. At minimum, it will be... $115 $115 million towards the luxury tax if Paul George comes back. That's the bare minimum. Plus, you also have to remember, and we cannot stress this enough, and I think we've talked about this on every single podcast since Carmelo Anthony decided that he was going to let us know how he felt about playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's $28 million, If Carmelo Anthony comes back, this is a very expensive team, and that's just bringing back Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, and not even having Jeremy Grant return, or Raymond Felton come back, and then what about Josh Eustace? There are so many questions about to answer with the Oklahoma City Thunder that you have to feel the contingency plan if Paul George doesn't come back. And hopefully, it plays out like the scenario that I put forth on Friday, which is, George lets the Oklahoma City Thunder know immediately, meaning July 1st, he says, I'm not hanging around. I'm going to Los Angeles. I'm going to go play for the Raptors. I'm, I'm going to go play for GSW, but I'm out. So that gives Sam Presti ample time to pick up Jeremy Grant, bring him back, put him in to the starting five, get Josh Hustis signed, and then go out and sign what free agents you can. And hopefully Oklahoma City can be a very competitive team. This would also be, I, if you think about this, and this is what's kind of scary for Sam Presti and Clay Bennett, I think this would be the fourth time in five years, yeah, the fourth time in five seasons, that the Thunder would be paying the luxury tax. And my question is, at what cost? If you're going to continue to pay the luxury tax, and you're going to bring in guys like PG, or you're going to have Jeremy Grant and Josh Eustace return, you need to get some bang for your buck. Return on your investment, as business owners like to say, and what the return on the investment for the NBA is, is simple. Be able to compete with the Golden State Warriors. If I'm Clay Bennett, today I would have called Sam Presti. And and again, this is this is sort of a I will admit this is sort of a panic move if you're Clay Bennett. But I always imagine owners thinking this way more than GMs. GMs balance it out; they're more logical. They they understand the game a little bit better. Owners tend to get a little bit more panicked. They see it as an, an investment. They're a little bit more emotionally emotionally tied to things than maybe necessarily GMs are. And Clay Bennett calls Sam Presti, and they have a conversation. And the conversation starts like this. After what you saw last night, if we bring back Paul George, and we, meaning the Thunder being Clay Bennett, we bring back Paul George, we bring back Grant, Carmelo Anthony does whatever Carmelo Anthony does, how, how close, how close are we to, to beating Golden State? And then if you're Sam Presti, that's when you've got to decide. How honest do you want to be in this particular moment? Do you just simply want to say something to calm Clay Bennett down the way that Joe Torrey used to do with George Steinbrenner and say, don't worry, everything's going to be all right? Or do you want to say, hey, even if we do bring him back, chances are we're not going to beat that, that team in, in a seven-game series. Now, I personally have stated, and I stand by this statement, that the Thunder with Paul George coming back. With or without Carmelo Anthony, but hopefully with Carmelo Anthony, and that's a personal thing more than it is necessarily what Carmelo was doing on the court, really do believe that there is a core there that would give Golden State a tough seven game series and a core good enough to beat the Houston Rockets as they are currently configured. That's what I believe, but does Clay Bennett believe that? Does Sam Presti believe that? And that's the only question you have to ask yourself. When you're investing that much money, how close are you to winning a championship? And knowing the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base, as I do, and knowing that the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base wants more than anything to just have a parade and, and be champions because this is a state that you know lives and breeds Oklahoma football and you're watching the University of Oklahoma and it's succeeding in softball and men's gymnastics and women's gymnastics and OSU with its long run of wrestling. this is a state that that values its championships. So are the fans going to continue to come if they know in the end it's a playoff team, but it's a playoff team that's not going to get an O'Brien trophy? I don't know. I do know this though. If Paul George is, is willing to come back, the Thunder are willing to spend the money. And if you don't believe me, here's Sam Presti from his exit interview. Um,
3: the only way that our team becomes a really expensive team is if Paul George chooses to stay with the Thunder. So if you're asking me if we would like to keep Paul George, if he wants to keep his talents in Oklahoma City at the cost that it, that it, that it takes to resign him, The answer to that would be affirmative, Uh, yes, because Paul George is a very unique player. So that's how our team gets extremely expensive. The other way I think you have to look at that is over the course of a 10-year period. Um, Over the course of 10 years, our team uh, has had about the 12th or, or 13th highest payroll in the league. So we're in the top half teams around us in terms of total dollars over that 10-year period of time, San Antonio, Orlando, the Clippers, are kind of in that bookending us. Um, We're about $6 million less than San Antonio in total payment over 10 years. Um, With respect to uh, efficiency of that spending, or or wins per percentage of the cap that's spent, we're in the top three. So San Antonio, Houston, Oklahoma City uh, are you know, with respect to, like, efficiency of uh, the the winning versus the percentage of the cap you're using, we're in the top three. So I'd like to think over those te- that 10-year period of time, um, you know, we've been in the middle of the pack, you know, with respect to payroll, and we are in one of the smallest markets in the league. But I think we've also been economical in that spending. Now, you also have cycles of your team. Um, Russell Westbrook is in the, the prime of his career, Uh and the opportunity to extend what was a, what has been a 10-year um, you know, run to further that is and potentially could come at a great cost. But that cost is not a cost that's going to be going in perpetuity. It could be a one-year significant spend uh, in order to, to retain a player like George in the best years of, of, of Westbrook's career. And it's also not historically something that we've been doing. So you kind of come to these points in time, and the, the alternative would be to uh, you know, rebuild the team and go in a different direction. Uh, on the heels of the 16 free agency, we had that choice. We chose to keep competing. We chose to keep going, to see if we could find a way to stay at an elite level. Uh, I understand. We're disappointed. The, the year did not go to the level that we want. But the foundation that we have and the ability to keep a player like Paul George, given the fact that we've were you know 11 or 12 over the over the, the course of 10 years, it could take that for a year in order to continue to the, the 10 year run. And it hasn't been something we've been doing for a long time. So um, the answer is is that's how we get expensive. Um, and the to, the other part of your question was um, does the performance of this particular year's team? Uh, again, I think. I don't know that you can really look at it that way, uh, only for this reason. I don't think that's a reflection on whether or not Paul George is a good player. Russell Westbrook is a good player, and Steven Adams is a good player in terms of foundationally. And I also don't think that we really saw the full team because, one, of the lack of continuity, that empirically um, teams take bumps with with regard to their net just by keeping the group together. Uh, We went from a zero to a three. We can expect... Based on history, a little bit of a bump there. Factor in Robertson, a little bit of a bump there. Um, I think we'll be a better team. I also think that continuity-wise for Billy, I think there's a lot of things that line up to say, um, you know, you should probably run this back and give it an opportunity. And, you know, from there, then you might have to make some tough decisions. But... um, I don't think it's a tough decision if Paul George wants to stay with the Thunder, given the fact that how he fits with us. Our-
0: Coming up in segment number two of the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, we talk about the Houston Rockets and just how panicked they should be, or maybe should not be, after losing by 41 to the Golden State Warriors. Had a chance to listen to Houston Sports Talk Radio today while dropping my kids off at school. And I try and bounce around. There's like two or three stations I really like listening to in Houston. And two of them actually have local talk shows on right now. One of them has Mike and Mike. But the Rockets are getting absolutely blistered. Blistered for that 41-point loss. And as well, they should. I mean, it's Sports Talk Radio, you you got to have a hot opinion. And, And the Rockets... Got to the point last night where you could see it in their face. They knew they were going to lose, so there wasn't going to be much effort exerted. And Mike D'Antoni made the comment, and I think he was doing this a little bit to poke his team, saying, hey, at least we won't be tired because we weren't exerting any effort. I don't know how tired Golden State will be either after you hammer somebody by 41 points because a lot of their key guys got rest too. But here's where I'm a little bit different. And a lot of this has to do with watching the Warriors come back from three games to one on Oklahoma City and seeing that unfold before my eyes. It was one thing to watch the Red Sox come back on the Yankees from 3 nothing down on television. It was another to watch it happen in person and just see guys like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook crack under the pressure of almost eliminating what everybody thought was the best team in the NBA. And they were the best team in the NBA during the regular season, Golden State was. But the other thing is that in a seven-game series, when you lose a game and you have the luxury of knowing that it's not single-game elimination like the NCAA tournament or the NFL, Trevor Rees is right. It doesn't matter whether it's two or 200 a loss is a loss, and this series is still 2-1, to one, and the Rockets can come back and tie things up and get it back to Houston 2-2, which, if that happens, I think everyone would be would be okay with it, considering the fact there's only been one really close game in this series, and that's game one, and I don't really, it wasn't really all that close. In fact, if I'm a Rockets fan... I'd be a lot more concerned if I sensed any panic in this team. I don't want panic in my team when they trail two games to one, two games to none, even three to nothing. I want my team still saying, hey, all we gotta do is win a game. I, I want to see some form of confidence there, or at least some some essence of being nonchalant, which the Houston Rockets are doing right now. When you start talking about, well, yeah, it's gonna be tough and there's a lot to overcome and our backs are against the wall, then you're cooked and you're toast. Right now, I don't think the Houston Rockets are toast. However, the big three last night between Curry, Curry, KD, and Clay, combining for 73 points, ouch. These guys certainly look like they're in championship mode. And for as panicked as I don't want Houston fans to be, and for as much as I would like the Rockets to come back, I don't see it happening. I I don't we, we've seen the Rockets respond so I don't think we should count Houston out but there is no doubt in this that Golden State is the better team and I still say that there is no doubt in the Eastern Conference that the Celtics are a better team than the Cavaliers and the Cavs just had one really good game where everybody was making shots if you're a Celtics fan today man don't worry don't worry at all if you're a Celtics fan, because the Cavaliers have only done that for one game. Can they do it for two? Can they do it for more? I have serious doubts about it last night, and I still would not be shocked at all. I, actually, I think I'd probably be more shocked if this series goes back 2-2 two to two to Boston. I, by the end of the night, I am predicting, and I reserve the right to be wrong, all predictions here on the Locked on Thunder podcast could be absolutely and completely totally wrong. I still think it's going to be 3 to 1 Boston when it comes down to it because I got to see the Cavaliers if they start to struggle will all these guys that stepped up in game 3 still look to LeBron to get it done and and if that's the case then it's over with. Okay, coming up next here on the Locked On Thunder podcast, we get the privilege of hearing from OU's Trey Young. Yeah, he's a big star here in the state of Oklahoma as well as America. Nike wants him. Adidas wants him. But what about the Knicks? What about the Magic? What about teams moving up to get Trey Young? Well, he discusses all that here on the Locked On Thunder podcast.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league
0: Wanna encourage you to go to Locked On Cavaliers, Locked On Celtics, and Locked On Warriors for the rest of the playoffs to get the latest on what's going on with the four teams left in the NBA playoffs. I think Locked On Browns would be a lot of fun now. I keep saying that. Of course, they're the they're the team that HBO has picked for hard knocks, and nobody's more cut out for that than Baker Mayfield. But I would also think that Locked On Magic. Locked on Knicks, locked on Lakers, like all, the, all these teams having all these big offseason moves ready to go, certainly worth listening to, and I hope you feel that way about Locked on Thunder. So what about Trey Young? Okay, I mentioned all that because Trey Young, and I realize that that's a terrible lead-in. But what about Trey Young, the star of the NBA draft? Probably not the best player in the NBA draft, and I would say right now, I actually like Colin Sexton better. Than Trey Young, and feel like Colin Sexton is more cut out for the NBA right now than Trey Young is based on the way these two guys played down the stretch. Still, Trey Young most likely will go higher. So, what does he think about playing for the the Magic and any of these other NBA teams he discusses now?
4: Oh, it's been fun. I mean, uh, it's kind of tough just getting this little short little um, span right now, getting to know them. Uh, Nothing getting to know me. So, um, I'm looking forward to getting out and seeing a, seeing a few of these teams and spending a little bit more time with them. What's the challenge for you now uh, as you go to the next level? I mean, just getting prepared. I mean, uh, I prepared extremely hard coming into the college season and making a, a huge impact right away. And uh, I'm working two times as hard this summer, preparing and preparing to get into the NBA level. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna make a huge impact right away. Have you it with the Knicks yet? Uh, yes, sir. How did that go? It went really well. It went really well. Uh, it went really well with the Knicks.
5: Coach Fizdale's um, looking at a guy who can go two ways, play defense mm-hmm. Is that something you bring like to the
4: table? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about having the opportunity to, to, uh, to show people that I can play defense, and uh, I'm actually super excited to show that uh, from day one
3: a ton of attention at the college level do you think that kind of exposure will help you at the pro level as far as you know the
4: cameras and all the big stage mm-hmm. and all that yeah i think you you can pick different things um, to get better at there's always something something you can get better at and i think going through the media experience uh, at the college level uh, was something really well uh, i mean that is going to help me for this level so um I think that's a good thing.
5: you had a lot on your shoulders. The second half of the season was kind of a grind for you. How do you think you'll adapt and adjust to an 82 game season? You know, at your size.
4: I mean, I mean, right now, uh, my main focus is, is getting my body right. Um, I've I picked up 10 pounds of muscle in the past five weeks, um, and we still, we're still five weeks off until the draft. So I'm I'm in the same process of of getting my body uh, getting my body ready to. Uh, be able to handle 82 games in the season. Have you been you... able
5: to meet with the Magic and anything stand out from, from that meeting?
4: Yeah, we've we, we talked. We've been in contact for sure. Anything
5: stand out? Any, any questions
4: that they had for you? I uh, keep that behind the scenes. How do you handle
5: the Curry comparisons? I mean, do,
4: do, do you have yeah. it? Do you... I mean, I, I, I love the comparisons. I mean, he's a, he's a two time MVP and a champion. I mean, I love the comparisons, but I feel like I bring a lot. A lot of different things, from different players, um, different players' games to the table, and uh, I'm just trying to be the best version of Trey Young. That's all that. That's all that me. I'm just getting started in this thing. Hopefully, I can achieve some of those things. Trey, have
2: you spoken with the Bulls at all? And what do you think of Chicago as long as you're here?
4: Uh, I have. I have talked to the Bulls. Um, I, I love. I love the city. I uh, love the city of Chicago. Uh, I've been uh, to Chicago a few times um, in my life for different things, McDonald's, played in the arena. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was good. What
5: did you Trae learn from that game against Alabama, going against Collin? That was kind of a, a back and forth game, and pretty
4: yeah. pretty fiery. Yeah, it was a, a very competitive game. Uh, mm-hmm. Collin's a good player on both ends. Uh, played, uh, competes at a high level. Um, so it was fun, it was fun competing against them and, and their team. Uh, so it was, it was a good game. You had Trae to do it all, the- you know, where you were at school. You we'll look at it differently
5: now on the next level. What, what do you think? you bring to the table on the next
4: level, I think I bring a lot of things to the next level uh, to a team. I think I, I bring an, an immediate impact uh, off the court uh, as as much as I do on the court. Um, as far as my skill set, I can I can space out the defense. Uh, I can attack attack defenders in, in multiple ways. Get my teammates involved. Uh, I think I can pretty much pretty much do it all for for a team. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to whatever team I, I, I go to uh, making making a huge impact. What the the do you talk to the Sixers
5: and, and how do you like the fact that they're looking for a shooter to fit with Ben Simmons and, and Joel
4: Embiid? Yeah, I, I talked to the, the Sixers as well. Um, I think they're, they're looking for, uh, I mean, they, they obviously had a, a really good year this year. Um, surprised a lot of people. It didn't really surprise me just because I know how talented Ben is and Joel is. Uh, so, I, they're, they're looking for a playmaker um, all around, and um, I know they're, they're in, interested in me, um, but you, you never know how things will fall. You, so.
5: you get the Curry comparisons a lot, but you've also said Steve Nash is a guy you kind of modeled your game after. How, how are you similar, maybe, to him?
4: Uh, Steve Nash is, is my favorite player of all time, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, with his size and my size, very similar. Um, he's very cerebral, he can score from all three levels. Um, and he, he knows how to get his, his teammates involved, and he's, he's a winner. So, I feel like a lot of his characteristics match tomorrow. Are there any misconceptions about your game that you attempted to clear up here at the, at the Combine when you spoke spoken with Uh, I mean, the, the fact that I don't like playing defense and, and, and the defensive side of the things uh, is something that uh, I'm just looking forward to, to showing people. Uh, from day one.
5: Have you ever been to New York? and Do you you embrace a big city like
4: New York? Yeah. I mean, I've been in New York um, a few times in my life. um, And, I I mean, I'd embrace it. That's fun. After the fast start you had
3: last year at Oklahoma, what did you find in that second half of the season that you learned the most about yourself?
4: Uh, I I just learned my my maturity. Uh, Just blocked out all the noise and just focused on basketball and what got me to this point. Uh, I I started making just, just... the right basketball play, each and every possession. And that's something that, whether we won or lost, with uh, whether we won or lost, uh, I could live with, because I just made the right basketball play. How you, crazy
5: th- was life for you? I mean, every second you turned on ESPN, it seemed like you were on their, their yeah. website. Uh, yeah. How crazy was it for you?
4: I mean, it, it was crazy, but it was fun and, and humbling and motivating me just to continue to have success. Um, I wanted, I uh, just always wanted it. Um, it. It was fun. but. Um, like I said, it motivated me to continue to get better. Do you think
5: you're the best scorer in this draft?
4: Uh, I think I'm the best overall player in this draft. Um, but my, my main focus isn't necessarily to be the best player in this draft. My goal is to be the best player in the NBA, and that that's what I'm I'm focusing on uh, each and every day. You have a relationship with LeBron. Has he talked to you about this process at all, and the Cavs are slotted at
3: number eight, and that's a yeah. spot that Mox have you going at sometimes. Yeah. so
4: yeah. Uh, I mean, right now he, he's, he's trying to win an Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so he, he's very busy. Um, but he's, I mean, obviously he says some things, good things about me this year. Uh, LeBron is, is someone who, I mean, has changed the game. And, uh, a big role model as far as uh, on and off the court, the way he handles himself in, in every situation. It's something that I really like about LeBron.
5: So with all the attention, you know, you, you meet with the function next year, were Sorry. you able to enjoy the season that
4: you had? And yeah. Was there a moment that, that was the best experience for you or the most fun? Yeah. Uh, well I, I always every time there's, there's something that's struggling in my life, um, something going going wrong in my life, I always I always think about and and just look back and and think about other people and, and Thinking that the circumstances could be worse, um, so I never, I never lose my my passion or have uh, not having fun in any moment um, because I know it could be worse. And so I've always had fun no matter what the circumstances are. Um, but I mean, just winning from the beginning that that was probably a, a very fun moment for me starting from the beginning.
5: Trey, you talked about wanting to be the best. When you see yourself at five, six, seven, eight, nine in the draft, do you shake your head at that?
4: No, I, my my main focus is going to the right team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about being one, two, three, or or, or thirty. Um, you see a lot of guys who aren't second around who go stick around in certain years and make make big impacts on teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just it's all about the fit for me, and um, whether that's one, whether that's whatever it is, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happy, and I'm I'm gonna be ready. to to make an impact, and that's that's what they're going to
0: get. I will post that entire interview at about 5 o'clock Central Time today at LockedOnThunder.com so you can hear it unedited. And if you don't want to wade through the entire interview, we will have part two for you tomorrow here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully we entertained you and gave you a little bit of information to go as well until tomorrow I say ELE everybody love everybody check out locked and remember peace love and thunder up you are locked on thunder your daily
2: Oklahoma City Thunder podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. Hey, prime members